0: You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. Find a Bible and meet us in 2 Thessalonians. Nicole
1: Trujillo is our scripture reader this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling. So that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive, they are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed, yet do not regard them as an enemy. But warn them, as you would a fellow believer. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Thank you,
0: Nicole. But Today we come to the end of 2 Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians. We took the whole summer to make our way through this pair of letters. I don't think they're as well known as other letters in the New Testament, so it's been my hope across the summer that you will have been surprised by Thessalonians and moved and spoken to by this part of God's Word. You know, every year we have the commitment to spend time in three places— The Gospels, the New Testament letters, and the Old Testament. And as we have this pattern, it's our hope that over time we'll get to all the different places in Scripture. Otherwise, it's very easy just to go to our favorite places or the most well-known. But we really want to come under the whole counsel of God. And so I want to give you a little preview of what's coming up this fall, since we're in this season of anticipating back to school. Next weekend, Labor Day weekend... We have a standalone message, so it's not part of a series, but just one Sunday on an obscure little Bible character named Obed-Edom. He has a little part, but a big legacy in First Chronicles is where we'll be. So come back next Sunday if you've never heard of Obed-Edom. We're going to have a great time exploring his story next week. And then for the fall, we'll be back in Genesis, all the way back in the beginning of the Bible, for a series called Abraham's Reward, A Relationship with God. It has been 10 years since we studied the life of Abraham, and so we're due. I was reading a book this past year by a YMCA chaplain, Oswald Chambers. Maybe some of you have heard of him or his devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. So he has this little book that's like 100 years old, and it's called, we probably should pronounce it with a British accent since he was British not knowing whither. Nobody talks that way anymore, but it basically is a book about following God when you don't know where he's taking you. And I read that little book, and I thought we should get back to Abraham. We are also delighted to welcome back Tom Jurgens from Mongolia. It's his first Sunday back. And... If he nods off during the sermon, just give him a little nudge back there, getting over jet lag from such a long trip. We have a Sunday in September where we get to hear a fresh report from the mission field from Tom and the impact of the Gift of Love program that many of us as a church community have been a part of. So that's a little preview, but let's turn to what we have today. I need the reminder often that tomorrow's not guaranteed to any of us. We have today, and today has enough for us to tend to. I don't know how you get up in the morning, but my favorite way to start the day, if we can pull this off, is that I get up feeling well-rested and not because the two- and three-year-old in the bedroom next door are banging down the door. So if I can get up well-rested and I beat them to the punch— I will sneak out into the kitchen, grab a cup of coffee, grab my Bible, and I'll sit in front of the living room window that overlooks our backyard. C.S. Lewis said that from the very moment you wake up, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. So he said the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back in listening to that other voice. Letting that other, larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. And I find that it's easy to get overrun by the wild animals or by the toddlers that are waiting for you when you wake up. So I've entitled the message today, Persevering and Full of Peace. Persevering and Full of Peace. There's something about those two descriptors that resonates with us But they can be so elusive. How do I keep going when I feel like giving up? That was Pastor Andrew's message last week. Such a timely word. And you see this theme in Paul's writing. And secondly, how in the world do I experience a fullness of peace when I have so much that I'm worried about or stressed about or just plain so much to do? Paul has some practical instruction about this that we'll share today in three pieces, starting with this one. Here's number one. We'll have three of these today. Steer clear of what tears you down. Steer clear of what tears you down. And now let me read the verse, verse six. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. So this is, in a sense, step one in persevering and being full of peace. And it might catch you a little bit by surprise. You know, this is not what we'd expect to start off. This is not a warm, fuzzy Bible passage when we talk about perseverance or peace. But I want you to keep in mind the background to this letter. The Thessalonian believers... We're facing some serious challenges, and we've detailed them this summer. So, just by way of reminder, one of those things was a false teaching that came in about the end times. There were people saying the day of the Lord had already come, and so Jesus wasn't coming back again. The other big issue was the prevalence of a Greco Roman cultural practice called patronage. Patronage is found in honor shame cultures with a strong group dynamic, which, by the way, is not the culture that we live in. Now, there is going to be application, but just to talk about their context for a moment. Patronage basically meant there was like a wealthier citizen, that's the patron, who would purchase the loyalty or allegiance of other citizens who were not as wealthy, and they were called clients. The client's job then was to pursue the public honor of their patron socially and politically. And so because that was the arrangement, they didn't need to have a job. And so you see a lot about work in this passage that Nicole just read for us. They didn't work. Their bills were all paid for by the patron. And their job then was to go and do the bidding in the public square for their patron. And they would get mixed into all kinds of things. They'd show up at school board meetings. And they'd get into local politics. And they would just cause a ruckus and general rabble-rousing among the populace. And so there's clients in the church who are causing mischief. So the cultural background for us is going to look quite a bit different. That all sounds very foreign to us, but the lessons will still apply. In the Thessalonian church, there were some believers who were characterized, if you look at the verse, by three things. They were idle, disruptive, and not living according or not abiding by apostolic teaching. And Paul says then, he says, we command you, notice it's not on his own authority, he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's already written about this once before in 1 Thessalonians. So now the ante goes up and he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you to stay away from whomever meets that description. And if I had to translate that imperative for us in just slightly different language, I would say something like this. Keep away from those who are lazy, stir up trouble, and don't follow the Bible. So kind of in our vernacular, apostolic teaching translates to biblical teaching. That's what I would say. Now, you might have an objection. You might have a question. Hold on to it for a minute and we'll get back to it. But first, I'd like us to just sit with the teaching as it's presented. And I think the plain reading says, yeah, this does make sense. I can almost hear my mom and dad's voice as I'm heading out the door to a new school year as a kid saying something like this. You know, saying, keep away from those who are lazy, stir up trouble, and don't follow the Bible. Or I think the old version used to be something like, Don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they don't say that anymore, but I do remember it. As parents, you do come to know the value of your kids having good Christian friendships. Now, it's important to be friends with people of all walks of life, and we'll speak more to that in a second. But there is something of incredible value for your son or daughter to have a few friends, especially their closest friends, who follow Jesus and walk in his ways. So that's addressing parents, but we can be real here, and I can just speak directly to our students and our kids who are in worship with us. There are other kids at school, as we prepare for a new school year, there are other kids at school students who could be a stumbling block to you. And they might be really nice in many ways, but they can be a stumbling block. They'll get you in trouble. They won't care about school. And they won't make choices that are in keeping with God's Word. And the Bible gives you this clear warning, stay away. It does not mean to stay away from stuff that will mess with your relationship with God. And that applies to all of us. So beyond just the school context, we all come under this word and we recognize there are adults who have friendships that are spiritually destructive. And any number of examples, You know, I just wrote a few down, I thought that could be old drinking buddies, materialistic neighbors... It could be a coworker who is careless toward their own marriage. It could be somebody you know who just likes to complain and gossip. And the list goes on. Even though we don't have a patronage system in our culture, and we're in a very different world than the Thessalonians, there is a lot that you and I can learn from this little trio of keepaways. Keep away from those who are lazy, stir up trouble, and don't follow the Bible. Now, what's the objection? And maybe you thought of this right away when we put this up. You might wonder, well, what about the mission that Jesus has given to us to be salt and light in the world? You know, what about people who need the care and love of Christ shown to them, who are far from God? You might wonder, isn't this judgmental to walk away from people who don't measure up? These are very good questions to ask. And I hope that we always read our Bible, too, in this fashion. And we take those questions, and where do we go? We take them right back to Scripture, and we ask these questions. And we read on in the passage, and we see Paul's intent later. Maybe you remember it from the reading. Paul says, skipping down to verse 14, Do not associate with them, and then in 15, Yet do not regard them as an enemy but warn them as you would a fellow believer. So take note. First of all, these are fellow believers he's talking about. Okay, this is not a passage about salt and light and missions. This is fellow believers, part of the church family, and you can see the intent is not to kick them out. What is it to do? It is to redeem and restore. We have had a couple occasions this summer at our house where I've been able to say to my kids our family is a safe place to make mistakes. Our family is a safe place to make mistakes. Now, maybe some of you grew up in a home where that was not true. But this has been a principle in our house. It's safe here to mess up. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for our actions, right? But the intent of our discipline as parents is always to restore. The question is, in other words, how do we learn a lesson and get back on track as soon as possible? One of the signs of someone who is maturing in their faith is their ability to take correction from other trusted believers. And this is not necessarily an easy thing to do because our natural carnal instinct when something gets called out in our life is to get defensive. It is to storm off in a huff or maybe to wallow in hurt feelings, to get offended. But the mature believer is ready to receive correction. You can read all through Proverbs and see this principle emerge. We all have blind spots. Any one of us here, me included, can get off track. And it is both wise and humble to welcome the loving correction of the church who loves and cares for us. I can tell you I have seen people receive correction and grow from it. I have also seen people bristle at it and walk away. So just addressing that objection, in case you were thrown off by the earlier prohibition, Stay away from whomever is lazy, stirs up trouble, and doesn't follow the Bible. Remember the redemptive purpose that Paul has in mind. These are believers in the church in need of discipline. And in a strong group culture, that's threaded through the passage, this is going to be a fast way to catch their attention. So once more, the application at the top was steer clear of what tears you down. Here's the second takeaway out of the passage. Number two, persevere in doing what is right. Persevere in doing what is right. When others are monkeying around or being difficult, it can be hard to keep doing the right thing. And that's the link between the first section we just looked at and now what Paul says in verse 13. Look at this simple little verse here. Verse 13, And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. We hear echoes of Galatians there, don't we? Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary of doing what is good. And in my notes this week, looking at this passage, I wrote one word that applies to some of you next to this passage. You know what word I wrote down? Teachers. (laughs) I have in mind those, and I want to speak to you just briefly. Those who are educators, who are school support staff, who are in school administration and we just want to acknowledge what a challenging job that you have. It is a profession and a calling that has always been demanding and I just feel like in recent times the pressure keeps getting turned up higher and higher on those who are teachers among us. If it's not one thing, it's the other. I thought of listing a whole bunch of examples but I didn't want to get us off track. So... You can write your own laundry list. And I'm sure that some of you feel like you get hit from all sides. We want to be a community that comes around those of you who are in education and cheers you on, has your back, and is diligent in praying for you. And our prayer for you is that you would remember that you have a calling on your life. To be in this field, and that you would not grow weary. Now, for others of us, there are other areas of application. And on that note, I want to just share a resource I found this summer. One of the topics that comes up repeatedly in First and Second Thessalonians is teaching on what's called the end times. and so we've covered that some weeks. It's an important area of teaching, from the Old Testament to the words of Jesus. I mean you think about the later part of the Gospel of Matthew, it's critical in his teaching into the letters, into Revelation. But I find two errors in our setting that we live in. Either people get so wrapped up in end-time stuff that they go a little bananas. And yes, that's a technical term for undue fascination. Or, and this one's more common, where you and I are at, the 21st century American church gives very little attention to this topic. So I was delighted... Of all places, I ran into, a, into this book at Barnes & Noble, just cruising through, caught my attention, I picked it up, it's excellent. It's called Bright Hope for Tomorrow, How Anticipating Jesus' Return Gives Strength for Today. It's by Chris Davis, been reading it over the last month, and it is a gem. It is great teaching, and it's devotional in nature. Very practically oriented. So, if you want to go a little further into this oft neglected theme of the end times, pick up this book or you can listen to it on Audible if you have a commute or you like audiobooks. And to this point on perseverance, the author writes that Paul was able to walk with confidence in his calling because he knew, Paul knew that in the end, the assessment of Jesus would be all that mattered. And I pulled this quote for us I want to share with you today. He goes on to say, in a world where social media amplifies the opinions of anyone with a mobile device and where charitable discussion is on the decline, let us turn down the volume of the critics and turn up the voice of our Lord as we walk in obedience to Him and anticipate hearing Well done, good and faithful servant. That is a great perspective for a new school year. It's a great perspective for an election year ahead of us in 2024. And just the day to day reality of following Christ. Sometimes I feel like life feels like that old game, King of the Mountain. I don't even know if they allow that game on the playground anymore. Probably not. But you know, you play it on like a mound of snow or on the couch, in the basement, wherever it was. And you've got all these people coming at you from all sides. And it's your job to stand your ground and to ward off attack. And connected to this word from Scripture, to persevere in doing what is right. So, steer clear of what tears you down. Persevere in doing what is right. And finally, we come to this third and final point. Be filled with God's peace always and anywhere. We'll get to 2 Thessalonians, what prompts this in a moment, but I'm reminded, I think Paul was thinking about words from Jesus in John 14. John 14:27. 14, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When Jesus says that in John 14, the passage follows right on the heels of Jesus' promise to send the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I'm going back to the Father to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to every believer. And it's the Holy Spirit then who fills us with the peace of Christ. All right, so that, now to introduce our passage, 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. I think this is a great memory verse. If you want to put something to memory for this fall, make it this verse. A Bible verse that you can jot down and stick into your kid's lunchbox or backpack for the first day of school. So You can write this down or you can take a photo of it. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself, and who is that by the way? That's Jesus. May he give you peace at all times and in every way. Kids, I have no doubt that some of you are anxious or nervous about going back to school. And it might not be easy. You know, we won't make light of the first day of school and the challenge that can be. But we want you to know that you do not walk alone. God wants to fill you up like you fill up your water bottle. Full of peace to the very top. Full of living water. So that you can make it and you can even flourish like a well-watered tree. The message, as we close, the message of this summer of 1 Thessalonians was stand firm in the Lord. The message of 2 Thessalonians was I'm still standing. And so may it be true for you in 2023 and 2024. May you persevere and may you be full of peace. The Holy Spirit, you know, that's also the, the word for wind. <laughs> Let's pray together. Would you bow with me? Well, Father, we thank you as we come to the close of this study. Thank you, Lord, for the riches of your word. And, and maybe some of us have discovered First and Second Thessalonians for the first time. On this particular Sunday, Lord, we pray that you would prepare us for the fall, for a new school year, for all that awaits us, Lord, that we would be a people who are persevering, gentle, but persevering. And Lord, that in all things, your word says at all times, in every way, without exception, that we would be filled with your peace. We thank you, Lord, for these true and precious promises. And we pray in your name. Amen.
1: Thanks for listening to
0: the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at the YChurch.org.